the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Hour 2, and it is the Randy Corcoran program, and it's Matt Dunn, good friend of Randy Corcoran, sitting here in fellowship and prayer and comradeship with my good friend Randy as he has taken a bit of time out of pocket, and we hope his voice comes back in here as soon as seems right to him, and prayers with his family, and big thanks to Randy for filling in for me over on Backbone Radio so often over a four-month stretch when I needed to be out of pocket for family reasons as well. And we were just cruising right along, 303-696-1971. I wanted to cover a bit of the Russia coup or not coup situation. I want to talk about, yeah, Hunter Biden sitting there next to his dad. And um, the info comes out, big, big, bad deal for the Bidens. And uh, just so I read the the text message in which, you know, that uh, Biden says, he said, I never once, never once talked to my son about anything to do with his business dealings. I had nothing to do with my son's business affairs. Uh. <laughs> and now we get this text message and it's five days before the Chinese sent over $5.1 million for some reason. Can you say bribery? But here is, uh, here is Hunter Biden's. Here's the text of it. I am sitting here. Quote, I am sitting here. He's texting the Chinese that he wants money from. Quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. End quote. Damn. I mean, that is talk about the goods. That is the goods. He's sitting next to his dad, the man sitting next to me. I'm sitting here with my father, and man, we want the money. Send the money, dude. China. 5.1 million. Yeah. (laughs) So it was within 10 days. This is the New York Times reporting. Within 10 days of Hunter Biden's WhatsApp message, which I just read in full, within 10 days of Hunter Biden's WhatsApp message to the Chinese official associated with the CEFC, a CEFC subsidiary sent two payments totaling $5.1 million to accounts linked to Hunter Biden, according to records cited in the Senate GOP investigation. Mm. Yeah. So... Looks pretty straight up there. Looks pretty straight up, doesn't it? Pretty clear-cut kind of situation of bribery. Would you call it even... Is that extortion? 
He's like, hey, send me the damn money now, or I'm going to hold a grudge forever, and I'm sitting here with my dad and everybody he knows, and every and, and him and me, we're going to hold grudges against you forever unless you fulfill your commitment. And then next thing, 10 days later, here comes this check for two checks for $5.1 million. At any rate, why is this happening to Joe Biden? Why is any of this seeing the light of day? Here's again, step back a little bit. Get out of the the, the weeds, the day-to-day events. Why are we seeing this? Why is Ken Vogel, Kenneth P. Vogel of the New York Times, a grand member of the Uniparty, why are they uh, finally letting a little bit of this out on Biden? And I would just submit this to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Joe Biden has decided he's running for the presidency again in 2024. And I submit to you that he is doing this against the wishes of the uniparty of the ruling class of the deep state. They do not want him running. Joe Biden, they propped him up in his basement during that whole campaign. They faked the entire 2020 campaign. They went out of their way to find some way to get 81 million votes for the guy who, by the way, these 81 million people are like the shyest people ever. You never see bumper stickers. You never see Biden supporters anywhere. You see no passion for Biden. Didn't even during the campaign. How could it be that all these 81 million people are so darn shy? Hmm. Anyway, that's weird. But the deep state, the uniparty, the ruling class said, Joe Biden, we don't want you to run. He said, "Uh, screw you, I'm running anyway. And so... The deep state uniparty ruling class is obliged to start dropping stuff like this to try to get Joe Biden to reconsider his commitment to running. That's that's my thinking on this, is that, well, Joe, we really uh, would rather you didn't run. And, oh, gosh, we have these messages here. Oh, about, about Hunter sitting next to you and demanding money from China. So, oh, and there's probably going to be more of this stuff come out, Joe. And do you really think you want to be running for the presidency again? Do you do you really think so? Do you see how this works, ladies and gentlemen? Why on earth would the Senate get a hold of this stuff? The corrupt rhino Senate. How would they get X? Yeah, okay. So it was fed to them, in my opinion. This is just my conjecture on how these things happen, how politics works in the United States of America. And so this leads me to another thought. See what you think, 303-696-1971. Have we all been following this uh, story about the uh, Ocean Gate Titan sort of submarine thing that went down there to look at the wreckage of the Titanic and didn't come back up? That story was wall-to-wall in the mainstream media, constant. I mean, that had CNN going. That had all of them going. I mean, all you, all you heard about for a week was this uh, Ocean Gate submarine, in which very sadly, 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 five individuals perished in an implosion of the Ocean Gate tourist submarine. Apparently, they found it 1,600 feet from the hull of the Titanic. And it's a very sad story. But... Think about this, and again, I'm always looking at the propaganda angles, but think of the the double method propaganda that came to play with this Ocean Gate tourist submarine scenario, that apparently the United States Navy heard the sounds of an implosion 
apparently they have these very sensitive devices that can detect these sounds, and they had something register that, yeah, sounds like that was an implosion of a vessel. And that was um, many days before they pronounced that the Ocean Gate vessel had imploded and had been discovered to have uh, had this catastrophic accident, incident. And the media ran with that all week long, all week long, but apparently the U.S. Navy knew all about the situation was already over and done with. Okay? And this, of course, gets wall-to-wall media coverage, and it happens to happen around when uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, these revelations are coming out, and they slap Hunter Biden with a minor tax offense. Yeah, 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 taxes. Yeah, slap on the wrist. No jail time. You're okay, Hunter. Bad boy. You shouldn't have done that. Oh, it's so bad. So so sad you have these addiction problems. Very sad. Mm-hmm. That's how they actually cover that. Just amazing. But so, big old distraction there. And I'm not talking about the, the sadness, the tragedy of the Ocean Gate people losing their lives in their quest to go down and see the wreckage of the Titanic, which sounds like that'd be kind of fun, right? So... Man, did they milk it. They milked that story, and the mainstream media loves nothing more than to milk this stuff. And I would submit to you, how coordinated was that with the bad, troubling times revelations about the Biden bribery scenario that just happens to come out, and then they get everybody whipped up and focused on this submarine. That's one of those human interest stories, right, that that sometimes can really grab people and get traction. Remember... The Indonesian airliner that CNN spent like a year on? Boy, did they ever do that. So there is a, you know, you have this event that you know is very interesting to the American people, and the mainstream media can kind of control, manipulate, and milk this event, stretch it out over some period of time, over some days, to camouflage other news that they don't want people focused on, right? That's one factor. But then there's another factor here, and off of the phones momentarily. But this other factor is this, that uh, that they, uh, the, the team Biden and the way this works, the, the mainstream media, they, they know exactly how to present this stuff, and they love to get a human in- interest story. And so you listen to these little newscasts. In which they talk about the, the Ocean Gate. So they get everybody interested. Oh, we're going to talk about the Ocean Gate. We're going to talk about this. And so they then they get that. They get the viewers. They get the eyeballs. They get the ears. And then they start doing the, the story. Right after that will be some sort of a piece of that's dropping the shiv into Trump. Some some sort of an anti anti Trump thing, or some other issue. Um, so I just if you step back and you think about how the media works, they love nothing more than to be the people that report on a story like this submarine. Or a tornado, or some weather event, or some earthquake, or some something that happens around the world. They get everybody listening, and because they're the ones that control where the eyeballs are, then they start dropping the other propaganda hits around it. Does that make sense? So when you listen to little radio broadcasts or television broadcasts, and you see them lead, like with this Ocean Gate story or an earthquake, or a tornado, or whatever. And then the next story is where, yes, now that they've got your eyeballs, now they can drop the other propaganda they want you to get that suits the ruling class agenda. Does that make sense? So just watch for that stuff.
I just I just noticed that that's how this kind of stuff plays, and uh, boy, they milked this one. They worked this one to the max for for double reasons. Okay, so let's start saying hello on the phone lines. We'll get to Russia here shortly and make sense of that if we can. Uh, Steve in Denver, glad you were on board. Welcome. How are you doing? Doing fine. Okay, yeah, I can hear you well. Good. Uh, 85 years old, okay? Okay, well done, no sir. Politic, no politics, probably as much as you do. Yes, I bet, probably better. Well, maybe. Uh, this is going to blow you away, okay? The big Uh-oh. fellow, they talk about the big fellow. The big guy, the big guy. The big guy, the big guy, the big fellow. Okay, he's not the big guy and the big fellow. It's Obama. How much did Obama get from Biden? Well, I don't know about that, but have you seen anything that can specifically tie uh, Obama into Biden in some way um, on the money flowing in? It's called follow the money. Right. And I would love to be able to specifically be able to follow that money and really see it all. But I I can just about guarantee you that you're not going to see – you're not going to be able to find that specific money trail that could really dial it in. I I, I, I disagree with you. If they found 20 uh, LLCs and... Uh, but do they have it now? Have you seen it now, though, Steve? I mean, do you have it right in front of you? No, but right. that's, what, that's what it said. That's what uh, Comer said. Hmm. Yeah, you didn't know that? So, but did they did Comer specifically try these uh, tie these twenty LLCs between Biden and Obama? No, no, no. Okay. You don't get it. Okay, well, that's here, that's what me... you were alleging. Uh, no, no. Okay, that's what you alleged here. No, uh, they they found out <laughs> they found out nine family members got money out of eleven or twenty LLCs. Biden Biden did. Yeah, yeah, but you were talking about Obama. I'm anxious to see it attached to Obama. Hold on a minute. Okay. They got that information, right? Yeah. Okay. So they're digging into it. They haven't got all the facts. Okay. Think of of this. The commander-in-chief, and Biden was vice president, and he sent him to Russia, Ukraine, and China. Is that correct? I believe Biden went to all those places, did he not? Yeah, and Obama told him to go to take care of it. Okay. So he's the bag man for Obama. Well, that's what you'd call circumstantial evidence that could not be could not be used to really nail anybody to the wall. But here's the thing, Steve: is I would submit to you that the only reason that the Senate got hold of this information is because the deep state wanted them to get hold of this information. And they're not going to let let something that would tie Obama directly into any of this. Of course, Obama, how many mansions does he live in right now? How many houses does Joe Biden have? How do all these politicians end up on their $150,000 a year salary? How do they end up becoming multi, 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 multi millionaires in office? I mean, we know it's happening out there, but specifically tracing and following the money flows is is a very hard thing to do. And uh, I well, think we have some sense that this kind of thing is going on. But again, okay. my, my take is that they, they're, they're blowing up Biden and they're letting the New York Times run with a story like this and handing information to the Senate. 
um, which is, you know, uniparty central, rhino central in the Senate, a completely useless entity at present. There's hardly even one good senator out there at all on the Republican side. But they gave him this one, and they're going to run with it. So, Okay. Obama's got four homes. Is that correct? I don't know how many he has. I know the... I can name them. Well, he's it's got, okay. He's building, a, he's building a mansion in in Hawaii. He's got a house in Chicago. He's got a house in Washington, D.C. And he's got a house in uh, uh, Martha Vineyards. Yeah, yeah, right, right there on the beach. Guy, yeah, right there on the beach. And if, if the weather... You know, climate change happens, and wouldn't that be underwater pretty quick? I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking if he's a believer okay. in all that. Yeah. You got a computer in front of you? Um, about four of them, actually. Okay. Look, Five. Look up, and see, look up and see what Obama's worth. Oh, yeah. And do you think he got all of his money from uh, his book deals? I don't know. Where, where does he get his well, money? Yeah. we're discussing it. I'm telling you. These guys... You think the commander in chief is going to let Biden take all the Gittis? Gittis? You know what Gittis is? Gittis? Gittis is money. Oh. Is that like Greek for money or something? Yeah. Oh. You got it. Okay. Right on. But, Steve, I think in the broader picture, I agree with you. And I think what you're getting at is the way the political class has found ways to enrich themselves and they use foreign policy, they use wars, unjust wars, as a device to, you know, line their bank accounts in a really big way. And they have other ways, too, of doing this. But, again, it's it's very hard to dial it in and really see where the money flows are going to the point where you can take actionable um, efforts to get this cured. But but that's why they hate Trump so much, is he's already the multi-billionaire. He doesn't need any of this. He doesn't want any of this. He's doing I, just I fine, thank you. Yeah, the good. Man. Keep it up. Do it again. The man's a genius. He's a New Yorker. I, I imitate people. and um, <laughs> He's a New Yorker, and he's got a... Dip, uh, a way of uh, doing things, and a lot of people throughout the country don't acknowledge that and don't understand it. Well, if you go to New York, a lot of people do. Yeah, he's in, he, we, we've never had anybody this popular in the GOP since Ronald Reagan. Not even close. That's right. But see what you're saying when you say that a lot of people don't like it. Well, guess what? That's that's the mainstream media propaganda once again owning a little space in your mind. You know, and they say, well, DeSantis might have a chance to to make it. But guess what? DeSantis has terrible numbers in the polls. Last one I saw is at 14 percent support. And they think DeSantis has a better chance. And DeSantis is doing terribly against Biden. Trump is beating Biden. So um, anyway, just a little aside on that. Right. I'm going to say this to you and and let somebody else. uh, Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. Trump was president of the United States four years. He got security uh, every day from the CIA and uh, FBI, correct? Well, the Secret Service is the agency that does the presidential security. No, 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 no. You got, he got security uh, briefs. Security briefs. briefs. Yes. That, that's right. Yeah, all the agencies. DHS, he, go down he, the he list. Knows, Treasury. He knows, he knows every skeleton in the closet. Well, guess what, though? What if these people running these three-letter agencies didn't really give him 
all the information he wanted. They selectively edited stuff and presented him stuff that wasn't the real story. I, see, I, I mean, agree. I think I, I think he knows he knows a lot and he's experienced I, I, a lot, I, but I, um, I, but those little on. bureaucratic I, fiefdoms keep their stuff hold, to themselves. Hold, hold, hold you know, on. hold on. You're absolutely right. What you said, okay? You gave him what, what they Thank wanted you. to give him. Thank you, but Steve. He got he got from General Flynn the rest. Possibly, yeah. General Flynn knows an awful lot. That's why they had to sideline that guy. And Mike Pence, that's right. that's that loser, right. chump, phony Mike Pence, helped get Flynn sidelined from in like the second month of Trump in office. But Steve, I think you and I are seeing like a lot of the same stuff. But I think you know, just just we got to have a few more details before we can get too okay. uh, too much credibility on some of it. This. I'll leave you with this. Okay. Politics is like a chess game. And instead of playing checkers, is chess. Yeah. And when that, somebody makes a move, then the other party's got to make the same move. And the reason the, uh, the uh, Republicans, uh, the rhinos, don't want to uh, um, um, uh, ruffle the feathers, if you want to say that, is that they they got their side of corruption, and then the other side's got theirs. So that's why they're milk toast. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's I think that's pretty close, Steve. I'm giving you some kudos here. It, the unit party, Republicans on one side, Democrats on the other. It's one bird with two different wings. But guess what, folks? A lot of that is the same deal. And so much of our politics is just for show. And you know, you create these shows, and you can make money off it. It can be a profit center. You can fundraise off of it. Oh, yeah. It's a racket. That's where we've gotten to in this country. And the only way out I see politically right now, practically politically, is Donald Trump president again in 2024. And he's ahead in all the polls, which is part of why they don't want Joe Biden running while they're dropping all this stuff <laughs> to the Senate. But anyway, I just say, Steve, thank you for being a part of the program. Enjoyed that chat and he even said i was right about something so that was pretty cool i don't get that often anyway i'll just have to live with it right blake anyway hey it's matt dunn i'm sitting in for randy corcoran tonight and we'll be back in a flash 303-696-1971 on yes 710 knus there you go lonesome cowboy from chris stapleton who is in town tonight in denver Playing with George Strait, and one of my friends is going, was telling me about it at the swim meet this morning. Of course, I hadn't heard about the concert. I'm kind of a busy guy these days. And I uh, wouldn't mind having a little concert envy to have George Strait, Chris Stapleton on one stage tonight. Holy cow, two of the great ones, and George Strait the greatest. He's almost as great as Dwight Yoakam. When you sit and think about it, Blake, George Strait is almost as cool as Dwight Yoakam. He's up there. <laughs> if he keeps at it another uh, 50 years, I don't know. He's almost there. You know, Strait's been at it since, I think he had his first hit uh, in the 70s. His, his first songs came out in the 70s. I think his first number one was in the early 80s. And you remember, all my exes live in Texas. I remember I was working out on a wheat farm that summer. Yes, I was. Driving a tractor. Wheat truck, all this stuff. Oh, Southeast wheat. Colorado. Wheat. You said wheat. Okay. Wheat. Yeah, not, yeah, wheat with a T. Anyway, that was the old days, you know, before Colorado things changed around here. 
at any rate, that song came on. Remember KLMR, the high, the torch of the high plains down in Lamar, Colorado. That song, whenever it would come on, I just thought it was the funniest darn song I'd ever heard. I think that would, what would it have been, 86, 88, 87? I haven't looked up the specific dates on all that. But uh, that, that, to me, was the introduction to George Strait. Who is this guy with all these X's in Texas? Anyway, just a, just a funny song, and boy, he's had all the number ones. But at any rate, they're here tonight. By the way, that Chris Stapleton song, Lonesome Cowboy, that was from the movie uh, Toy Story 3, or was it Toy Story 4? It's hard for me to keep all the amounts of sequels straight. Like, how many Indiana Joneses are we on right now? This got to be the fifth or is this only the fourth? Anyway, just throwing that out there. And we got a Mission Impossible coming along. I think that might be the seventh Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, as they say in Francais. Glad to have it. Tom Cruise, only two top guns. <laughs> anyway, sometimes Hollywood keeps, uh, keeps doing it. But in the case of Mission Impossible, th- those are good films. I have to admit, I like that stuff. You know, spy stuff, action. Need more born identity things out there. At any rate, that leads us to the coup in Russia. Um, coup, coup, C-O-U-P, the coup in Russia. Remember Barack Obama once said uh, the Marine Corps? <laughs> yeah, that's a core, dude. And it's coup, not coup. Anyway, where was I? But... Tell you what, uh, there was all kinds of media flowing in starting last night about some kind of a big disruption in Russia. And it seems to have fizzled. But the neoconservative wing of the establishment, which it seems to be most everybody uh, in the establishment, our failed foreign policy, all of our crazy, ridiculous wars come from the minds of these individuals who run a failing foreign policy every time they get near the levers of foreign policy power. Trump in, in office for four years. We had no wars. He should have had at least two or three Nobel Peace Prizes. But you know how this all works. Uh, anyway, so apparently there was some kind of a disruption between the fellow who is the head of the uh, the Vog- Wagner Group or Wagner Group, Wagner Group, which is the... I've been reading about them for years, the Wagner Group, and I don't know how you pronounce it, but they are kind of a a private contractor military group in Russia that's not technically part of the Russian government, but is very close to it. They're full of mercenaries. They're full of the roughest, toughest people around. And if you read any of the spy thriller books, which I've read a bunch of those, you know, if you read your... um, Vince Flynn stuff, if you read Brad Thor. Brad Thor's a terrible writer, by the way. I hasten to point out. Brad Thor's spy thrillers are like the worst. But if you read, uh, I don't know, some of the Gray Man stuff by Mark Greeny, those are excellent, by the way. Uh, You're always, you're going to come into these Wagner Group people who are just portrayed as the meanest and the toughest and the nastiest Russians out there who will just do anything. Oh, just killers. Brutal. Brutal people. But anyway, there's a, there's a fellow named Prigozhin, I'll just use his last name, P-R-I-G-O-Z-H-I-N, who seemed to be getting into some kind of a spat with the more formal wing. The Wagner uh, group is headed by Prigozhin, 
oligarch, former friend and ally uh, of Putin's. Maybe they're having a strained relationship right now. But Prigozhin of Wagner was having a bit of a row with uh, with the formal Russian Ministry of Defense headed by a guy named Shoigu, S-H-O-I-G-U. And it seemed to escalate. The next thing you know, this Prigozhin guy is apparently threatening to march on Moscow. And we need a change, a regime change, is what he was thinking. And so, oh boy, we, we everyone, you know, the media was like, oh, watch this, watch this. Hey, it's regime change in Russia. Woo, woo, yay, yay. And I thought, nah, this is not going to happen. My, just my instincts. My instincts are pretty sound, pretty spot on, may I say. I said, well, let's, let's watch this play. And we still don't have all the info and all the details. Uh, but man, were people whipping up this coup, thinking that, hey, Putin's done. Putin's over with. And um, who is it? Uh, Rubin writes for the Washington Post, one of the worst neocons ever, a massive Trump hater. Jennifer Rubin, that's her name. She was even out there tweeting, like, look, our resolve, American resolve in Ukraine. Look at the results. We're even getting regime change in Russia now. (laughs) And all kinds of tweets from the American foreign policy establishment praising this Wagner group Prigozhin guy who's a complete and total sleazebag, okay? Just one of the worst people out there. And you've got all these people praising him all of a sudden. Anyway, so one of the people on Twitter that was writing the most about this Russian coup coup uh, is a fellow named Mario Nafal, N-A-W-F-A-L, who was re- he was stayed awake for 30 hours in a row, apparently he was saying, and he was really saying, oh, oh looks bad, regime change, here we go, it's, it's happening, oh my gosh, it's ha- oh my gosh. And then he has a post this morning, <laughs> which he says, breaking. The coup is over. Wagner is retreating. And it says this. Uh, the um, There's an official statement from the Prigozhin guy, the leader of the Wagner group, the founder of the Wagner group, that, yeah, hey, we're, we're turning around. We're, we're not going to shed any blood, and uh, this, nothing is going to happen anymore. And so, um, so it's over. So... I guess that's – does anybody have much more to say about that, about the uh, the Russian coup that turned out not to be a coup? Um, but I'll tell you what. Um, there's a few things about this situation that make me a little concerned that our United States foreign policy establishment looking at regime change in Russia as like this good thing. And – do you really think that would be good to have complete and total destabilization of Russia, the nuclear power? Do you think that, I mean, that could get extraordinarily unpredictable. Who knows what would happen? We're already, the Biden administration, the neoconservatives, the foreign policy establishment sees fit to send countless billions of our taxpayer dollars over to Russia while we have a wide open border. Isn't that great? How, much, how many of those billions come back? to their own pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can answer that question. But they think it's great, great to uh, go, in my opinion, provoke Russia by, you know, spending all this money on Ukraine, trying to prop up Ukraine. And we, again, we we put the, the Zelensky people in power. That, that was the United States that did that. And remember that color revolution back in 2014. 
That was our deal, and ever since then, Ukraine has essentially been run by the United States State Department and CIA, in my opinion. And I do think that deep down the goal of United States foreign policy by by spending all this in Ukraine and by establishing the puppet government in Ukraine uh, is to uh, work towards regime change with Russia, in Russia. That That's the master plan. That's their grand strategy. That's what they're up to. And, um, okay, so the United States taxpayer going to be on the hook for that pipe dream for how long, for how many decades? Lee Smith, Lee Smith, who's been a big skeptic of all of this from day one, great commentator over at Tablet and elsewhere. You see him on Fox News, used to, anyway. He says uh, American taxpayers are going to be on the hook for this whole deal for, for 50 years. And you know what? If we're, if we're on the hook for that, I mean, we're, say, say we're not on the hook for it, but that, that's when we have World War III. We could be on the hook for World War III. Hmm. But once again, and DeSantis right in there with him, his chief advisor, Christina Pushaw, one of them, was over there with Zelensky in Ukraine the night he won his election. And the big money controlling DeSantis, he's all on board for more Ukraine action, for more Ukraine billions, while we do have a wide open border here and a complete mess of a country. And uh, I'm sick of that. I thought we learned that lesson back with uh, the Iraq war, that, hey, we spent all this money in Iraq, we have to do this whole pointless, ridiculous war in Iraq, while we have our own wide open border here, our country is going, going straight south on us. And um, But no, you see, remember the New York Times? Who was the reporter for the New York Times? Um, she, had, she had a great deal, of, but she was one of the biggest agitators for the war in Iraq. And they had her, um, Judith Miller, I believe, I, I'm trying to recall. Judith Miller was one of the biggest war boosters for Iraq all the way along. And so, see, New York Times, part of the Uniparty, they want their war. They had Judith Miller in there agitating for the war. They got their war, and... That's the whole reason that Trump came along and was successful in defeating Jeb Bush and the rest of them. He said, hey, no more ridiculous wars. We don't need to do this. Let's secure our own country first. How ridiculous is it we worry about every other border in the world before our own border? But, you see, there's no learning curve. The New York Times did that then, and now they're doing it again. Now the New York Times is all about Ukraine, all about propagandizing that we have to spend more billions over there and um, Professor Jeffrey Socks, I'll, I'll get to his clip here in a minute. And But am I getting the – do I need to move? Okay. Yeah, just a few stream of consciousness thoughts on this coup in Russia that was not – and uh, as far as I know, it seems like that's in line with my instincts on this. But it's Matt Donovan for Randy Corcoran, 303-696-1971. We'll be right back. George Strait, love's going to make it all right. And I do think in the end – Love is what will win. But I don't think we're there yet. But I do think we're on our way. Matt Dunn here for Randy Corcoran tonight. And your thoughts always invited, 303-696-1971. And just going through this coup that was not meant to be, this is getting a little bit inside baseball. But Lee Smith does point this out, that this Prigozhin guy, the head of the Wagner Group, the Russian mercenaries, really nasty, vicious people. Lee Smith asks this, and he may have, you know, contemplated starting a coup. But Lee Smith said, what are the chances Prigozhin has done business with the Bidens? <laughs> What's the likelihood 
The guy who ran the troll farm Mueller indicted for election interference is an asset of U.S. spy services. Now, think about that. The same Prigozhin guy supposedly ran these troll bot farms that Mueller indicted for trying to be somehow supportive of Trump in the 2016 election cycle. Remember that whole deal and... Man, what a fake that whole thing was. But people are also saying this. There's apparently $6 billion that was missing in the uh, money sent over by the U.S. taxpayer into Ukraine. $6 billion missing unaccounted for. People are wondering, where did that all go? But I've seen some people out there speculating, could that $6 billion have somehow ended up in the hands of Prigozhin to encourage him to start conducting a coup against Putin. Now, I'm not saying I know anything about that or that I think that that's what happened, but there's a lot of speculation on that, and I don't know if that speculation is valid or not. But, hmm, Lee Smith, when somebody like Lee Smith starts saying a few things like this, your eyebrows should go straight up. And, you know, Adam Schiff, there he was talking to Durham this week, talking about, yeah, the... The, the Russian interference in the election with, with the tweets and the Twitter, they were interfering with, and it was Prigozhin who was running that, those, those supposedly uh, indicted camps that Mueller went after. And by the way, they never did press them. They never did go after them. Mueller dropped that when those people were, said, Mueller, come after us. Let's have, our, let's have a trial date. And Mueller dropped that like a hot potato for some reason. But could all along, this is, what do you think about this? All of that, which, yeah, the left was so sure of, the Democrats, the Uniparty, they were so sure that Russia was helping Trump in that 2016 election, all been disproven, all been disproven by Durham, amongst others, and Backbone Radio hammered away on that for years. But what is the chance that this Prigozhin guy who ran those bot things, um, as Lee Smith says, was an asset for U.S. spy services. Do you see how that might connect? What if the people that were supposedly helping Trump in 2016 from Russia were actually assets of the United States deep state? Do you see how, do you see how the refracted light beams move all around on that? Do you see how some of these complex webs might just work? Had never thought of that before. And Lee Smith brought that up. And I think many of you out there who know Spygate in and out are connecting those dots right now. But that quick point about how New York Times, member of the Uniparty, agitating for that Iraq war back in 0203, and they got it. And now they're out there agitating for another war in Ukraine with Russia. They're agitating for that constantly around the clock. See, they, they, they never have like a learning curve on the merits or on the facts. But they want the wars. They want more money. They Yes, yes, yes. You see, they want the wars. And Jeffrey Sox, professor over at Columbia University, he slams the New York Times. says it's unreadable propaganda. Let's hear that one. Oh, I'm pressing it. Is this working? Yeah, let's see if this will work. That's uh, this one over here. It's O. And we'll this is there it is. where we are today. Exactly the same thing, except... We have this drumbeat, crazy drumbeat in the media, which you two so wisely talk about every day and report on, which is insane. 
by the way, led by the British. I, I respect the British. You speak English so much better than we do. It's yours. But this Russophobia in Britain is so deep. It's about 200 years old. It's so simple minded. I used to even read The Guardian, by the way. Now I can't even go to the website. It's unbelievable. By the way, that's how our New York Times is. It's it's unreadable. It's phony. It's propaganda from morning till night. It's so completely one-sided. And no one tells the history of anything. And I tried to publish that piece in The New York Times. Well, they rejected it in 10 seconds. Uh, and more more than that, I tried to publish anything in the New York Times, and they said no. Uh, what they want to say is it's an unprovoked invasion, and we're facing a madman, and there's no one to talk to, and war is the only way, and NATO enlargement is the only way, and diplomacy can't work, and every lesson of history is ignored. That's where we are. There you go. See, every lesson of history is ignored. That's That's accurate from Professor Socks. And he says, New York Times, unreadable propaganda, and all they want is war, war, war. And it was Tucker Carlson in his monologue that he delivered on Twitter last week said that, yeah, that's why they're after Trump. That's the main reason is that he's the guy that stood up against all these endless, ridiculous, stupid wars that cost the American taxpayers countless, countless billions (laughs) while our own country is falling apart. And with the wide open border, we're losing our middle class. And, you know, the rest of it. Yeah, you, you see, there's something about these people in power, and they get so mad at the American people that just aren't just doing what the ruling class wants them to do and thinking what the ruling class says they must think. And that's when you see the ruling class start insulting us and denigrating us and calling us all kinds of unpleasant names. They treat us like dirt. They treat us with contempt, and no amount of lessons learned from history is going to change the mere fact of what they want, and there must be something very good for their businesses about war, the ruling class. There must be something that is very rewarding to them about war, in which they can send the sons and daughters of the heartland of this country over for their wars and do their bidding, and where you want to follow the money? I was talking to Caller Jim earlier. I think it was, or no, Steve. You want to follow that money, I'd love to be able to do a bunch of that. By the way, before <clears throat> before we go out, and I might do this again next hour, Ron DeSantis is asked about what he's going to do about the, the war in Ukraine. And notice he doesn't answer the question. He dances around it. Donald Trump's very clear. I'm going to end that war in one day, 24 hours, that thing's over. But DeSantis, listen to him. Is this a lightweight? Is this an amateur? Is this a neocon here? Let's do G, G on that one. President, uh, what will you be doing about the war in Ukraine? That's just what he just asked that question. So that was uh, so what I what I said is uh, we are going to be strong at home. We have to be strong at home and we have to make sure that our resources are being dedicated in ways uh, that are going to defend the American people above all else. So that's going to be our first priority. Then we're going to look with fixing the military and we'll do that on day one. And then we're going to look at, okay, what's the national security strategy that we're looking for? Our emphasis 
is going to be on the deterrence of China in the Pacific. When you think about how we've handled international affairs over the years, we have viewed uh, Europe since World War II as the primary theater. Understandably, He's we not had the Soviet the Union that we had to contend with. Well, now I think we need kind of how we had NATO then. I think we need something similar in the Pacific uh, to be able to keep China in check. Because I think in many respects they're more of a threat to us uh, than uh, the Soviet Union even was. Maybe not the and nuclear breakthrough. Like we Let's had go ahead there. and we pause came... that one. Yeah. So DeSantis, again, is asked very directly, what are you going to do about the war in Ukraine? And he says, well, we're going to make America strong and we're going to fix the military. And then he wants to talk about China. Do you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? He did not answer the question. He did not. Ron DeSantis started out. Uh, was that six, eight months ago, saying he was critical of what we're doing in Ukraine, spending all that money. Then he, his donors put up a huge fuss, the donors that control him, and he's all in for this Ukraine business. He won't answer the question there. He knows how unpopular all this is. So uh, you want another endless war, ridiculous war, foreign policy tool controlled by the failed State Department? Uh, that's DeSantis is your guy. Be right back. Matt Dunn here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 